Good morning, Mission Hill Church family. How are we doing? Happy 4th of July. Um, hey, you know, I was uh, reading this and I was like, I'm not going to read it, but I am because uh, on, our, on today, on July 4th, you know, it is um, something, we have, we have a lot of people in this room that have defended our country and um, it is not a popular thing to um, defend our country, I feel like, anymore, and not to, um, I don't want to, how do I say this, not credit, just to kind of poop on it, I guess you could say. Um, but I was reading today um, on, the web, on a website called The Art of Manliness, the 10 greatest speeches in American history, and I want to read the last part of JFK's inauguration address, and I'm sure there's parts of it that you know, but I'm just going to read it because I, I kind of fumbled through in first service, like my love to be an American and the fact that I was born in this great nation. And so I'm going to read this and then, then we'll get into it. So this was JFK's inauguration address. At the, this is the end of it. In the long history of the world, only a few generations have been granted the role of defending freedom in its hour of maximum danger. I do not shrink from this responsibility. I welcome it. I do not believe that any of us would exchange places with any other people or any other generation. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what you can do for your country. Ask not what you can, your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. My fellow citizens of the world, ask not what America will do for you, but what together we can do for the freedom of man. Finally, whether you are citizens of America or citizens of the world, ask of us here the same high standards of strength and sacrifice we ask of you. With a good conscience, our only sure reward, with history, the final judge of our deeds, let us go forth to lead the land we love, asking his blessings and his help but knowing that here on earth, God's work must truly be our own. Uh, I read that because, man, uh, our, our nation needs the gospel. Our nation needs Jesus. But I am thankful, as Peter said, that, and we don't get, we don't get it. We, we came this morning, we, we got up, we uh, ate breakfast, got coffee, you got in your car, you got gas, you came here. And um, I'm not going to preach this message under... Uh, fear that someone's going to bust in and take this freedom away from me. We all have Bibles that we can read freely in our homes. And uh, I understand our nation can be a mess at times, but um, if you're not thankful that you were born a U.S. citizen, I would encourage you to go live somewhere else for a while and see how blessed we are to have the freedoms that we do in our nation. And so I just want to thank anybody that served our country uh, and, and just say I'm, I'm proud to be an American. And this morning, if you were at, you might, nobody's at first service because you're in second service, but uh, Gloria was playing, what song was she playing? Who was, Breton, which one was it? America the Beautiful? I don't know, and at the end, it just, just made you want to stand up and just like, ah, America, you know? So... <laughs> Yeah, I, um, I, I used to do this test when I was in high school and college. Uh, there's that song where I'm proud to be an American. And it doesn't matter any setting that you're in. If you play that, it just does something to Americans where they stand up. And they're like, and I proudly stand up next to you. Like, it's just like, man, America. So 
I, uh, yeah, I like today. I am a proud American. Uh, we need a lot fixed, but I'm thankful to be a part of this nation. So anyways, that was a lot longer than I wanted it to be. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to James chapter 2. Um, we are in week, I believe, four, it's either week four or five, of our James series, and this is the portion where uh, we've started out the year talking about how we are to love God, we have now moved into how we love people, and we will finish this year looking at making disciples, but Pastor Joel did a great job last week um, summarizing up chapter one and the three big things and the marks that he, I believe, would have wanted us to walk away with were uh, to be slow to speak, slow to anger, and quick to hear. To those out of order, but quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, three things I failed at uh, this last week, so I am grateful for the gospel. But yeah, it's just wrapping up this portion of the Texas first chapter that's really going to hammer the importance that we are not mere hearers of the word, but we are doers. In Christianity, we are called to live this out. If we just have a bunch of head knowledge, uh, it's worthless. If we are not putting this into practice, if faith and works go hand in hand. And what we're looking at today, uh, it, it really starts to unpack um, some, some difficult things that I don't think we always love to admit that we're bad at. Um, James is a very serious book when it comes to Christianity. Uh, we often are very good at picking um, the parts that we like. We pick and choose. Okay, I'll take a little bit of this. Uh, don't want that. And that's not Christianity. And what James is really good at is, is highlighting dark areas in our hearts, whether we like to admit it or not. And he starts that out here in chapter two, uh, talking about the sin of partiality. All right, so if you have your Bibles, you can stand with me. If you are able, we are going to be in James chapter 2, and I am going to be reading verses 1 through 13. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has God not chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. You may be seated. It's God's word for us today. Let's pray and we'll get into it. 
God, I thank you for today, and God, I thank you for the, the true freedom that we have in you. Um, God, you, we have, we've, we, we've read, you are the, the giver of good things, you are the father of light, everything good comes from you. God, I thank you for this portion of text that we get to dive into today, and God, I have a plan, I have notes, but I ask that I be put aside. There would be no part of me that wants uh, to be acknowledged, no part of me that wants to hear well done, but I just want to be faithful to you, be faithful to your text. Uh, Spirit, I ask that you speak through me and anything of me would die, I'd get rid of it. And God, I pray that you make us more like you and less like ourselves in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so... When we're dealing with the sin of partiality, all right, uh, I think we all look at this and it's like, okay, what did, I, I kind of get what that means. Uh, what exactly does it mean? This is so, this, this is the, the, the portions of text where I'm like, I know this, but do I know it? Do I actually know what James is trying to say here? And this part of the text is re- it's really broken into two different things, all right? So we're going to see in verses one through seven. It's important for us to grasp that it is fundamentally incompatible, all right? Fundamentally incompatible to have faith in Jesus and to show partiality, okay? These two things do not mix because one yeah, has nothing to do with Jesus. Partiality is not anything that the Lord has in his heart, and I'll show you why, all right? And then in 8 through 13, we're going to see that partiality, it is a violation of the law of love, the law that defines the kingdom that we're a part of, the kingdom of God, where we are called to love our neighbors as ourselves. If you show partiality, you cannot do that, and you are a lawbreaker and therefore a sinner. Okay? So it's a little bit intense, happy fourth, all right? But this is where we love you enough to tell you the things that you need to hear not the things that you always want to hear. And James is really good at that. He's really good at telling us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear necessarily. And as I was thinking through, like, what is the best way I could give you guys, like, an understanding of what it means to be partial? And I think everyone, maybe the younger generation, you haven't experienced this as much as, I'm not old, I'm in that middle generation. But uh, the biggest way that I could think of that, that favoritism is played out is how many of you guys have ever been involved in a situation where you had two captains and they're picking teams, all right? You guys ever been in that situation? All right, sometimes some of you were the pickers, some of you were not, okay? So some of you were captains, some of you were not. But here's how you select, all right? Uh, Let's take football, for instance, all right? The two best guys usually are the captains, and they're going to pick the guys who can catch well, the guys who are fast. If you were me, you sprinkled a couple of the good-looking girls on your team because that's how you picked teams. It was always like, who's the best? Who's the most beautiful? Uh, Who do I want on my team? And the people who aren't good or you don't really like, they're the ones that are like usually the last two, and it's always the last two that don't get picked, and you feel really bad for them, okay? My favorite way this this ever backfired that I've been a part of is uh, when I was in Taiwan with Joel, and, and Colin, and I don't, actually I don't remember if they were there or not, it's irrelevant to the story. But we always played a, a yearly football game 
that we got way into. We like way we had practices one year and made jerseys. It was literally like a four-hour football game, but like I was, it was a very big deal. A lot of pride was on this game in Taiwan. And one year, we used to always, okay, these two are matched up. That's good. We'll, we'll put them on opposite teams. They're of, you know, and then we would look at the teams and we would say, okay, is one team outweigh the other, right? We tried to do it equally so that we could have a fun game and it would be competitive. Well, one year, all right, there was a team like of, of, there was a bunch of us that were like 30 and over. We're probably not in the greatest shape. Uh, many of you know I had a hip replacement, so I don't know how much, I, how much stock I had in the game at this point in time. But there was this young buck. He was, he was an impressive specimen. He was in good shape. And he wanted to be the captain of one team, and he wanted me to be the captain of the other. And I was like, okay, if you really want to do this, because I knew what this kid was going to do. I knew he was going to pick all the young, the fast, the kids, all the kids that were like, you know, not 30 and older, that everybody thinks you're old when you're that age. And so we picked teams, and he did exactly what I thought he would do. Literally, I had a list of guys that I wanted to pick, and I got every one of them because I knew they were, one, really good at football. They could catch really well. They weren't fast, but guess what? We're not going to play man-to-man defense on a bunch of 18-year-olds. We're going to run zone, and we're going to shut them down. And we did. We spanked them. They didn't score one time. We won seven touchdowns to nothing. At one point, they're like, oh, maybe we should ease up. I was like, no, we are never going to ease up. We are going to make them feel this from start to finish. Okay? Now, here's the, the reality of partiality. I tell you that story because we all can relate to a time where uh, we either got picked and we felt really good, or we didn't get picked and then all of a sudden we're, I mean, it's kind of embarrassing, you know, like you don't want, and, and, and the reality is I think this is just kind of the biggest way that we see favoritism played out. And it's really important that we don't do this because the reality of how we were picked, and I'll get into this with the gospel, is, is, this, is this is not how God chooses who will be on his team. All right, God does not pick the most powerful, the most educated. He, you're going to see him change the world. I know this is cliche, but with 12 people that had very little significance, okay? And so what we have to understand and what we have to grasp is that all of us struggle with this. We've experienced it, but I will submit to you that you still struggle with this personally on some level, and I'll explain to you why, Okay give you kind of an outline of where we're going to go. I'm going to give you guys the what, all right? In the first three verses of this passage, like what? What are we dealing with when talking with partiality? Then I'll go into the why we're not supposed to show partiality, and then the how. What are we going to do? What's the better way, okay? And so if you're asking what exactly is partiality, in its simplest form, it means favoritism. All right, that is what it means. If you're looking for the simplest definition, it means to show favoritism. That is partiality. And how James, well, I mean, if we we dissected the word biblically, basically it's played out two ways, okay? One is the way that we accept or we judge others is based on outward appearance, okay? So we show favoritism based on outward appearance, on face, All right, that's one of the first ways that James is going to be talking about specifically. And the second way, so it's on the way people look, and the second one is favoritism based on status in society. All right, now I need to make something very clear from the beginning. 
What James is talking about here when it comes to favoritism, he's, he's really talking about not being discriminatory, not showing discrimination, not showing favoritism. The context that he chooses is rich and poor. All right? Now, contextually, there are a lot of things going on here, and I need to make it clear once again. If I, if I reference rich and poor, if you have money in this room, if you have wealth, that does not mean you are evil. A lot of people get this wrong. They say money is the root of all evil. That is not true. The love of money is the root of all evil. It is possible to have wealth in this room and to be godly and not the ones that James is talking about in this passage. All right? I could say this like 15 times. I'm not going to. You heard me say it once. If you walk out, Chase hates rich people and doesn't think that's not right. Okay? He is making, this, this is the text, this is the context that James is choosing, all right, because contextually what's going on is there is discrimination being, being shown towards the poor, and the poor's response is actually really interesting. They're still honoring the rich, okay, they're still giving honor to the rich even though they're being mistreated. We'll get to that. I just want to make it clear that from the beginning, if you have money, that does not mean that you are evil or that you're now excluded from this or somehow you're the direct context, all right? All right, I established that. We're gonna move on, all right? What we do, all right, and what we are guilty of, we're gonna see in the first three verses. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith, the Lord of glory, for if a man wearing a gold ring comes in, you give him attention, and then the more person with shabby clothing, you ignore, all right? What he's talking about what James and how this relates to us, he's talking about what we're guilty of often is with how people look, how much stuff they have, what they have to offer. We then treat them accordingly. All right. How can I benefit from this relationship? How, what, what can I get out of this? And that is the favoritism that James is talking about here. And it's incredibly far from the heart of God. What this means for us guys is we cannot look at outward appearance and determine then if we will show love, acceptance, hospitality, care, mercy. Outward appearance does not determine how we relate to the body of Christ. It can't, all right? That is, being, that is judgment on that first part of partiality, looking at outward appearance, and it also means that how we treat others as Christians cannot be determined by economic class, age, clothing, weight, gender, skin color, or even attractiveness, all right? And I think for us, guys, that's easier said than done. We read that, we know that's how we should be, but if we're honest with ourselves, if we really are honest with ourselves, this is easier said than done because all of us, all right, everybody in this room, we have a pull in our hearts to be around people that are like-minded, people that are like us. It's easier to be around easy people, all right? If I'm honest, all right, this is weird to say because I don't want anybody to think I specifically have someone in mind, but there's times, there are very natural relationships that I have, all right? There's common interests that I have with people, and, and that goes really well, all right? And the reality of with some people, we just don't share as much in common, and so that is a little bit of a different dynamic, all right? The conversation doesn't flow as well, but let me say this. If we are willing 
all right? To not show favoritism and to be open to those other relationships, I think God can do some really incredible things, all right? I think you guys have picked this up on, about me uh, in my time here. I'm a sports guy, all right? Uh, Mark Whitman and I went to lunch this week. Him and I, we, we actually don't talk about sports that much, Mark, but we could. We could talk about sports pretty much the whole time, and I know that, and, but we share... We share this relationship. It's easy for me to have lunch with Mark Whitman. Now I'm going to bring up Brenton. And I'm not saying it's not easy to have lunch with Brenton, okay? But Brenton and I, Brenton knows nothing about sports, okay? (laughs) I love Brenton to death. He knows nothing about sports, okay? Now, the things that Brenton and Pete, I love you, Peter, you don't know anything about sports either, okay? But... Both of them, they, they share things in common that I know nothing about, all right? Um, I would say multiple times a week, they, they are talking about something, and I'm there, and I just kind of do this. I just, I just walk away, because I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know what Marvel shows on Disney+, Plus, and I don't believe in Bigfoot and UFOs, like these, you know, and, and so, I mean, these guys are into stuff that I'm like, that's weird, Okay. But I love them, and I'm very thankful for my relationship with them. And had I said, okay, these guys don't know anything about sports, I would have missed out on two really good relationships I have with two good brothers, okay? And I really do mean that. They know I can say this because Peter had a, yeah, he said, it's just kind of pointless to try to talk sports to me because that's all I, that's what I know, okay? And so... The point being, we all have this fight in our hearts, this pull to be around people that are easy, that we know, that we understand, that the people that we do life with and we naturally drift towards them. And I need you to hear something, all right? There's some clarifying statements I need to make. What I am not saying today and through meditating through James chapter two is that na- magically now you're all just gonna share common interests and everybody's difficult level, level goes to beginner, okay? There will be people that are more difficult for you to interact with that it's a little bit more of a stretch and I'm gonna say that's okay, all right? It's okay. It's not now that levels the playing field. It's recognizing, hey, I tend to gravitate towards this person, this type of person, and I completely neglect this other type of person. All right? This might make application really weird when somebody that's never asked you to lunch comes up and asks you to lunch and you're left saying, am I the weirdo or an unattract? Don't, don't think like that. Okay, the bridge needs to come in because like I said, this never would have happened if we wouldn't have said, okay, let's, let's push, let's find some things, some ground that we have in common, all right? If we only spend time with like-minded people, with people like us, if you never reach out to that right person, if, you di- if, if race, socioeconomic status dictates how you interact with people, that's where we miss it. All right, that's where we miss it. And right now, guys, one of the biggest ways we see this playing out is right and left. All right, if somebody's left and you're right, guess what? You're not, we're, we're not crossing into that. Nope. Well, they're very left. So therefore, obviously, we have nothing in common. They're very right. So obviously, they stormed the Capitol and they did all this and that. I mean, these are, these are, Things that now I feel like how we identify people, and if we don't 
disengaged from these thoughts, if we don't meet with people who are difficult, we are missing a humongous heart of God. We are missing what God is trying to say. And he tells us in verse four what actually happens when we're the ones who define standards, when we're the ones who make these judgment calls. Look at verse four. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? All right? We talked about the what. The what is don't show partiality. Don't show favoritism. And we get into verse four, we get into the why. All right? And the why is because we dishonor God if we show partiality and it shows we don't understand the gospel. Okay? Why we do not show partiality is we dishonor God and it shows we don't understand the gospel. And this takes me back to my illustration of how we pick teams, all right? God works totally opposite of that. If you think about what we read in 1 Corinthians this morning, 1 Corinthians 1, I had it and I lost it. Give me a second. This is what he says in 1, 26 through 28. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. When we step outside of the way God operates, that's when we discriminate. That's when we show favoritism. That is not a part of how God works because you know what, guys? The reality for us is that when he saved us, all right, we weren't awesome. We had nothing to offer, all right? If you're in this room and you think you're awesome, you're not. You're not awesome at all, all right? And that's the reality. That's what we have to understand. It's not us, guys. If, if, if I look at where I was at when I was 19 years old, when God saved me, there is no reason I should be here right now with anybody ever listening to me and entrusted with God's word. But the good news of the gospel is that God places his son inside God. Now my, my righteousness has been imputed to me and now Jesus dwells inside of me. And every time the father looks at me, he doesn't see my mishaps, he doesn't see my mess ups, he sees Jesus that now dwells inside of me and Jesus says, hey, you know what I can use? Nothingness brokenness. When you're in that place where you think you're so awesome that it's God's privilege to use you, that's where you need to repent because guess what? You are not awesome. You are not awesome. And what we do with what he's saying here in James chapter two, when we become the ones, when we step out of the way God operates, we're the ones making distinctions and we become judges with our evil thoughts. And so in a way, we kind of play God. Right? Because now we're judging people based on our standards, okay? We are basically just, I think, I think this runs deeper than we even would like to admit because I think for a lot of us, we do believe that there is a certain race, uh, there is certain socioeconomic status. In our hearts, guys, I think one of the greatest things we could do is to say, hey, you know what? Maybe there is a little bit of favoritism and it plays out in a racist form a little bit. It plays out in a way where I do see the rich, the wealthy as a little bit more important than I do these people. Is that, guys, the, the, the best thing we can do is to say, God, I recognize it's inside of me and I want to deal with it. Because the reality for all of us guys is you're not supposed to be perfect. 
All right? If in your hearts right now this defines you, you're making judgment calls, you've set the standard, and you do see a certain race, a certain economic status, you, you see this that's in your heart, that does not mean you're doomed. Okay? If it's there and you refuse to deal with it and you say, this is who I am, this is what I believe, you might be doomed. Okay? But the, the thing that we're looking for, for here, guys, is not perfection. We are looking for progress in saying, God, I need you to come. I need you to deal with my heart. I need you to show me the areas where I probably do show favoritism. And you know what? If I admit it, I'm going to look pretty dark. It's going to make me look pretty bad. And you know what? It makes you look a lot worse if you're not willing to deal with it. If you're not willing to say, you know what, I do struggle with this because it is so counter-Christian to show favoritism because Jesus does not show favoritism. He looks at us in our mess and everything and he says, you know what, I am going to love the unlovable. I'm going to love the one that's not awesome. Look at Jesus' ministry. He loved to use people that were unlovable. He loved to take the low of society and to bring them up and to make them a big deal in him. And that's what we are called to do because this is how he operates. He chooses the poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom. He chooses those who are low in spirit, those who are low in society, and he makes them great. And this is completely countercultural at the time, all right, because we see in verses six and seven, there's something going on when, when um, James is writing the people here. He says, I'll start acting in verse five. Listen, my beloved brothers, has God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones who oppress you, the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? So what's going on here is the rich of the world. All right, they're the ones who are mistreating Christians, who are blaspheming the name of God, and still the church, instead of honoring the poor, they're saying, you know what, I want to honor the rich. I want to chum up with the world. All right, I don't want to use the richness. It's, it's, they want to be chummed up with the world. And the reality is, all right, the crazy thing about this text is they actually knew these people. Right? They actually knew these rich and they wanted to honor them where I think this makes it so clear for us today how this relates to us, okay, is that we honor the rich, we honor based on outward appearance, we chum up with the world and the rich, a lot of times they don't have a clue who we are or what we're doing. All right, let me tell you a, a, an interesting way I think this is fleshed out, all right? Um, we think that we're honoring and we're, we're showing favor to people uh, a lot of times on social media, all right? Um, this comes to back to the, the left and right thing. And what people continue to do with social media, even now, is they, they use any platform they have to push their political leader, and somehow at the end of the day, they think that Donald Trump or Joe Biden is reading their new feed or Facebook feed and going, oh, thank you, sir, that, that meant a lot to me. Or, oh, this somehow makes it, guys, it has no impact whatsoever other than driving wedges between the people that actually matter in your life. 
That's what all these social media opinioned posts do is drive a wedge between your family, the people that actually matter, instead of saying, hey, you know what? Left, right, who cares? Let's be kingdom-minded together. Let's be kingdom-minded. Let's find a way to not cause any more division than we already have, and let's find a way to unite and also remember that everybody shares their opinion on social media, so no one cares about yours. Everyone shares their opinion, so now it's made it where no one actually cares, and all you do is create separation, division, and you accomplish nothing. You're showing favoritism, you're honoring wealth, power, political leadership for nothing, because you know what? They don't even know you exist. You're contributing nothing other than causing division, or, well, I don't know how to relate to this person. Well, he's left, so now we can't get together, because I'm right. It, it's, it's ridiculous. It is counter gospel. It has nothing to do with the kingdom of God and what we are called to do is to view others not through the lens of the world, which is favoritism, not through the lens of the world, which honors power and fame and beauty. What we are supposed to do is view everyone through the godly lens of grace and give honor where honor is due to what is actually honorable, not what's easiest, most comfortable, or might benefit you the most. That's what we are good at honoring, what will benefit me, what feels good, what makes the most sense to us, our standards. And we're told that we are nothing but other than judges with evil thoughts. That's us when you take this and when you take the, the, the lead in this. And that leads us to our final why, and I'll begin to land the plane, okay? In 10 through 18, or excuse me, 10 through 12, I'll read 8 through 10. We'll go through it. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Why should we not show partiality? Because it's sin because it is a law-breaking thing that goes against the kingdom of God. And what James is going to say here is that, yeah, okay, maybe you're not committing the big sins, all right, big sins, but what you are doing is sinning. You are showing favoritism, and you are operating counter to the kingdom that we have this royal law, all right? There is a king that decreed this royal law and his name is Jesus and we are a part of his kingdom and if we are not doing that, we are breaking the laws of the king by showing favoritism. Guys, partiality is the antithesis of the love command. It is anti-gospel and James says it doesn't matter what sins, you might not be doing the big things. If you're showing favoritism, you are a lawbreaker and you're sinning. So what do we do with this? How do we deal with this? What is the better way? You'll see in 2, 12, and 13. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. The reality for us, guys, as we evaluate how am I doing, how am I, how am I doing with showing favoritism, with showing partiality, all right? Guys, what we need to be marked by, as we see at the end of this, is mercy. 
We are a reflection of the mercy of Christ. The message of the gospel is that we all need mercy, so therefore we all need to display mercy and be merciful. That is the call to us today. That's, that's how he ends this, is by saying, be merciful to the poor. Be merciful to the outcast. Be merciful to ones that are different from you. Jesus was so good at this. And for us, when we have experienced this kind of mercy, we know how to display mercy to others. And what we will do to others will be done to us in judgment. He says here, if you display mercy, you will be displayed mercy. This is not a call here that, oh, at the end of judgment, we're all going to be given mercy, all right? The, the thing here is you will get, you will reap what you sow. How you treat others in the kingdom matters. And we are called to display mercy if you want to be, have mercy displayed to you. This is where it gets a little tricky. and it, Faith and works, guys. Not being a mere hearer, but a doer. All right? Yes, you are accepted. God has displayed his mercy and his kindness to you. But what he's saying, if that is truly a part of who you are, if you have grasped his grace and mercy, then you too will be gracious and merciful. It is impossible, guys, to be, have, have, to be a person of faith in the kingdom. All right? If you, it is impossible to be, have faith in the kingdom and not display mercy. All right? Faith without mercy towards others is not real faith. It is not genuine. We cannot call ourselves men or women of faith and have a disdain for a people group or a nationality or uh, the way...